All right, welcome to the Onto Something podcast. Friends, I just did a cut where I called it the Omnipod podcast. So that's going to, today's going to be a really interesting day. We'll see what else comes out in this recording. This one is a fun episode. This is a their thing episode uh, that as I was thinking about the beginning of the year and a few of you that always reach out with the podcast, uh, I thought this would be fun to read. I don't know why I haven't done a segment like this in years prior. But we're doing it this year. So, without further ado, episode number 62. There are plenty of items you can mess with in my life, and it will not bother me. But one of the few items that you don't dare cut me or cheat me on is books. Now, I'll admit it, this is pretty bad. I take my books just a little too serious. For example, if someone on our staff wants to borrow one of my books, I have an internal checkout system in addition to a policy where they can't take the book off of the premises. I've been working up a late fee policy, but that's still in the works in the back of my head just because the social shame I think would be so heavy. But one of the most cringeworthy questions you can ask Zane Witcher is can I borrow a book? Bottom line, it destroys me. I know. I have a long way to go in being open-handed with my books. I can even do you one better, though. One of the top five greatest upsets in my marriage has to do with books. While we were in the process of staging our house to sell it, my wife, understandably and reasonably, moved some of my books around to different rooms to stage our house. I know. Gasp. When I came home to find that they had been color-coded and removed from their original home that belonged on the shelf, you would have thought that she sold our best alpaca in our family. I was distraught for days on end. I kid you not. I was somewhat depressed. (laughs) I have... An organization system when it comes to my books where I put them in a specific order that only makes sense to me and I hadn't remembered where I put them. Now, why such devastation, depression, and distrust going on here? Because books just aren't books for Zane. They're friends. And I know this this is kind of like a Finding Nemo line coming to you here. You know, fish aren't food. They're friends. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's true for me. Books are voices. They're conversational partners. They're moments of insight, revelation, and discovery and conversation. And one of the lanes in this podcast we discuss, which we call it their thing, is about relationships. Today, I want to share three voices that I hope you gain a relationship with that I've experienced unique moments with this past year. Yeah, in a way, you could kind of call this the post, the best book of 2021 post. But I don't really see them as just good reads as much as I see them as meaningful conversation starters. That I think would be valuable for anyone that's navigating moving from the first third of life to the second third of life. So without further ado, in no particular order, here are my three recommendations if you were to ask me, what's a good thing to read over the next year? And I'll do you even one better. I'll give you a quote from each of them. Number one, Think Again by Adam Grant. 
This book is written by an expert in organizational psychology talking about the art of thinking and rethinking. And let me tell you, it is no wonder that this book held on Amazon's top 100 for a while. Think again, it's like this beautiful collage of stats, stories, and strategies that doesn't just challenge you, but also reveals to you your thought patterns. I found it helpful as I'm attempting to sharpen my skills in processing new information and dialoguing about core beliefs in my life. The book breakdown is phenomenal because the first third is about how to evaluate your own thought process. The middle portion of the book is all about how to open other people's minds to rethinking a decision or an idea or perception. And the final third of the book is all about how to create communities for critical thinkers. All right, so here's your quote for the day. This is by Adam Grant. Attachment. That's what keeps us from recognizing when our opinions are off the mark and they need rethinking. To unlock the joy of being wrong, we need to detach. I've learned that two kinds of detachments are especially useful. Detaching your present from your past and detaching your opinions from your identity. Woo! That's good. That's worth the price of admission. All right, number two. This book is called Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. Now, this book is a knockout for someone who honestly doesn't know what to think about Christianity anymore after numerous nauseating conversations about what Christians have or haven't done in the world or have or haven't contributed to. This book is like a refresher on the roots of the Christian faith. It is an orienting conversation amongst the disorienting topics around the Christian faith. Instead of a quote on this one, I'm going to give you all the chapter titles because I think that's worth the price of admission alone. All right, you ready for this? All right, I'm going to run through them. Chapter one, aren't we better off without religion? Chapter two, doesn't Christianity crush diversity? Chapter three, how can you say that there's only one true faith? Chapter four, doesn't religion hinder morality? Chapter 5, doesn't religion cause violence? Number 6, how can you take the Bible literally? Number 7, hasn't science disproved Christianity? Number 8, doesn't Christianity disregard women? Number 9, isn't Christianity homophobic? Number 10, doesn't the Bible condone slavery? Number 11, how could a loving God allow so much suffering? Number 12, how could a loving God send people to hell? I know, very short list, very light topics. As always, just because I recommend the book doesn't mean I endorse every idea or claim of the writer, of the author, but let's stay focused on the point here. For anyone that's enamored with Twitter conversations, debates, one-liners about deconstruction, or is just disoriented about how to move forward, this book is a healing balm for Christians. It makes it in the top three for me. And then third, but not last, is Tish Warren's article, The Devils in the Details of Deconstruction. Now, if you're paying close attention to me on this third recommendation, you know I've already cheated. You probably caught that this is an article, not a book. I know, I'm a rebel. But I need to tell you about Tish. Okay, she has become one of my, and many others, 
all-time favorite writers on spirituality. I think this article is one of her best sample works of what you do if you pick up one of her books. The article is in November November's issue of Christianity Today. It's a brief 500-word reminder about deconstruction. Her point is very simple. What many in the majority culture call deconstruction in the Christian faith is actually just simply the need for reformation. If you could take Taylor Swift's line, you need to calm down and put it in an article. I think this embodies it right here. Here's the quote to give you a taste of it. To call something to reform, as opposed to simply destroying it, is to simply recognize the integrity of its original design. As an example, I am often dismayed by the misogyny I see in the church, but I also recognize the notion of women's intrinsic dignity is given to me and handed to me by the church itself. That's just a small taste of what she means by a lot of times we try to scratch the whole thing when it's actually the root of Christianity was something that was beautiful to the world. It's a winsome article reminding us that we can renovate the house without moving out of the beliefs that were passed down to us from previous generations. We always want to reach for demolition when what we really need and what Tish points us to is simply reformation. There we have it. Those are the three friends that I find worthy of anyone looking for a couple things to read this year. And even though I haven't met any of these people in person, I still like to think of them as friends. And my hope for you is that they become your friends over time as well. And if you're wondering, no, you can't borrow my copy. But I appreciate you asking. Now see, wasn't that one fun? I promised that that one was going to be fun. Hey, thanks for listening to the On To Something podcast. Just know that you can always get a transcript or you can look back at any previous podcast episodes by going to www.ontosomething.com. That's onto something with no G. Until next time, friends, as always, may you remember that you are onto something.